Welcome to The Unlistenables, long-form musical analysis from a couple of old, broken-down pieces of meat. I'm Howard Shue, one of your hosts. Shortly, I'll be joined by the star of One Tree Hill, Andrew Hollingworth, the dude that can successfully order chicken in French. A-Hole and I are a couple of old emo veterans. We've had our fair share of emo nights and Chris Caraba-influenced sing-alongs. Every month, we'll deep-dive one of the seminal albums in the emo canon to address the elephant in the room. Does any of this hold up over time? This week, we're exploring Fall Out Boy's influential sophomore album, From Under the Cork Tree. We deep dive this Trojan horse of a record and how it wraps power chords and soaring choruses around a deep, honest examination of fame, depression, and anxiety. If you ever wanted to relate to Pete Wentz on a deep emotional level, now's your chance. Let's dig in. I'll let you finish a drink of water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, we're, we're back at it. Episode three, Fall Out Boy from Under the Cork Tree. Uh, this is an interesting one. You and I were just chatting about it. Maybe the first one that we don't have strong emotional ties to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will say like, I, I don't have, I don't have any real connection to this album aside from just knowing that maybe two of the biggest emo tracks of all time are on it. And obviously those were kind of like uh, front and center, but um, yeah, maybe I'll kind of lead off a little bit with my own experience, what this felt like, and uh, maybe have some theoretical or philosophical questions for you. And then we'd kind of love to hear what this was like uh, re-exploring this and, and what your uh, what your connection, historical connection to this album was. Yeah, let's, so let's jump in. It's, it's really funny. Like, um, I believe this is like a, a suggestion on your end to do this album third. And <laughs> the first couple of times I listened to it, it just really reminded me of um, a scenario that I had with Skipper where when I was like evaluating whether or not I wanted to go to business school in Michigan. He was living in Ann Arbor and I like went to visit him. And this is a time when like he had started smoking cigarettes when he was drinking. And we went out one night and when we came back, he like forced me to smoke a cigarette. And not only did I have to smoke the cigarette, but he forced me to like, he's like, yeah, hold it in your lungs. Feel the burn. (laughs) And I felt the experience of listening to this album the first few times kind of felt like that to me, where I was like, I don't like this, but I have to keep on doing it. Um, and I jotted in my notes, it's like, yeah, this is this is like smoking six and holding it in your lungs. I will say like, I've backed off that comment. I don't really 100% feel that way anymore, but there was a lot of resistance, I think, to the way this album sounded and felt initially. And it wasn't until I started to in, like inspect the lyrics a little bit more and think about the context where it really started to hit. Um, yeah. And I, I guess the other part that I'd say is like, this is the first album we've done, Jimmy Eat World 30. We did uh, brand new Dijon Tantu. This is the first album of the three. It, I don't mean to sound like pretentious. Like it didn't really feel like art to me. 
it, mm. it just was like, it was an album that was very influential is, is, is maybe the, the way that I would put it. Uh, and to that end, the one thing that I'll say is when I really thought about this, you and I, we structured this podcast. We have 12 awards, 12 awards, four of them are based off of Fall Out Boy lyrics. And the question that I have to pose to you, and two of them are off of this album, the question I pose to you is why do you think that is? Let's inspect that a little bit. Do you think that it's because like this album is the epitome of emo? Do we think that it's because this album is a caricature of emo? Like why do we think that we over-index so heavily on Fall Out Boy uh, kind of like in, in the structure of our podcast? And, to that, I'll, I'll throw it to you, and I'm curious about your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, so I think, like, a lot of it has to do with, like you said, like, it is so influential. Um, I, I also think that, um, you know, we are, we over-indexed on it because those song titles, like, that's that's a thing, right? Like, that's a feature of that era of emo, like, you know, this is their second album, sort of, sort of second, third. There's, I mean, they consider it, I think, their second, second, second studio album. And uh, they, you know, between this, this album and um, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out came out in the same year. And those two, these two albums, like, you know, there's certainly contrasts. Maybe that's an album that we will get to down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like, they both did that thing with the like sort of over the top names and, you know, Taking Back Sunday, brand new. They were also doing it a little bit before this time. But I think that like the names of these songs, you know, even if you don't know the song, you've heard the name. Like, right. You know, like you, you would see that and go, oh yeah, that's a, that's a Fall Out Boy song type. And the other- It becomes a trope. Right. And like the other piece of it all is that it's like, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't thought, I had just thought it was like an emo thing to like do this, but the more I started like deep diving on this album in particular, the more I'm like, oh no, that's also like for them, part of the album. Like, talk to me about that a little bit more. So like, I, I felt like, okay, I believe you, but my Tommy Gun don't is like a good example of Deja on Tundu, right? Mm-hmm. And and that one is uh, a song title that is sort of like relates to the song in mood, maybe? Yeah. But yeah. not content. And I think some of the song titles in this both relate in terms of content and mood and also like so much of this album is about being referential and you know it's actually you know it's it's uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later when we talk about like you know sort of how i aged but i think it is sort of like much more literary than than somebody would give it credit for on their first listener to which is sort of what you were saying yeah no i I think that that's a really interesting point and perhaps like where I started to arrive at in terms of appreciating the album was it's, it's so interesting because this album is so influential and, and like was out in front of so many of the other emo bands. I think what I started to do was I started to associate like 
the sound and the mechanics of those like derivative uh, soulless emo bands with Fall Out Boy. So like there's a song on here that sounds exactly like a Bowling for Soup, like a, a little less 16 Candles, a little bit more Touch Me. Sounds like a Bowling for Soup song to me. And I'm like that, when I hear that intro, like I, I, I have like a reflex where I, I cringe a little bit because I'm like, this is going to be like a nothing song. But again, right, you're right. When you think about the context of the song titles, the cleverness of the song titles, the depth and like real emotion behind the lyrics, that's the thing that makes, I think, this album special and different and like rise above all of the other kind of like antecedents and, and the the, the uh, emo boys that, that tried to follow it, right? So uh, yeah, I, I think you're right that it, there's there's like a different layer here that you probably don't get with <clears throat> um, most of the other kind of like blur boilerplate type type emo albums. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the things that you know you you mentioned there is like sort of the like undercurrent, and and one of the things that I really wanted to talk about was that like I, and right really fits in with what we're what we're talking about is that like I think this album is really really deceptive, like. Yeah. like you described like it comes in with like a bowling for supertrue like uh, it's funny i totally hear that i know that exact like guitar distortion chord whatever it is um but like uh it, it, this this th there's a there are ways in which this album almost reminds me at least parts of it almost reminds me of it's not unusual by tom jones it's not mm. unusual yeah. but because like do you know that that song is like wildly sad it's not unusual no, no. to have fun with anyone. Wow. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone. And then he's like, uh, you want to see me cry? I want to die. die. Yeah. Like, it's this crazy dark song <laughs> set in this really sort of upbeat tone. And there's really one, only one song on this whole album that even has a sort of like downer pace, um, yeah. like even at all. Um, and I think it's uh, I've got a dark alley and a bad yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna try our best with the song titles here because <laughs> you know we'll keep up. But in my head, it's just the sad one. Yeah, yeah, the sad one. It's exactly right. And like, I found I found quotes that were like Pete Wentz was like, "We're never gonna play this one live." Yeah, it's like yeah. It's too, it's too sad. And and I, I do want to we'll we'll talk a little bit about that, like sort of the context of this album and like the context of you know the band and something like that. But it is like. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's sneaky dark. Like yeah, besides yeah. that one, it has this, like these driving guitars and you're dumping and dancing and there's good <laughs> distortion and the drums keep going. Um, and, and, and I don't know. So and, and, he, and he's like talking about killing himself, like literally like offing yeah. himself. It's yeah. 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 No, you're right. You're really right. Um, and that I, I think the ability for them to kind of, connect those two and make really catchy music that is about really hard and emotionally resonant topics. Yeah. If I had to guess, like, that's why people love this album. And this is why it is like, when we think about like the epitome of, of emo, it's, it's funny. This, this, this album forced me to like really introspect and, and like do a little bit of digging and thinking in terms of like, what does it mean to be emo? And like, what is the defining characteristic? And I think more than anything, it's not necessarily the sound so much as it is like just 
really digging into real raw emotion and, and, and feeling and like exposing your heart to the world. And <clears throat> yeah, I think this, the, like on that metric, this album, I, I think more so than the other two that we have listened to uh, really achieves that. So in some ways it might be more emo than what we've what we've listened to in spite of it feeling like less artistic right yeah yeah and I think you know it's it is really interesting where that where they sit and where this album sort of like sits in that space because it's like you know this this album is like shoots them into the stratosphere right like Mm. their first album was like I think a pretty reasonable hit in the scene, but nothing on a national scale. And they've had albums and songs that came out since that like blew up bigger, like were, you know, number one billboard hits for longer and like went, you know, a million platinum, whatever. Um, But this album was like the thing that, that, that put them on the map in that way. And, and along with that, like sort of shortly after that, in particular, Pete Wentz really leaned into the into that limelight. You know, he started dating Ashley Simpson during while she had her show on MTV. Like, you know, yeah. it's like it it meant that between Sugar We're Going Down, Dance Dance, Ashley Simpson, and Pete Wentz, like Fall Out Boy is fucking everywhere. Right. And so, right. like, there is this really big resonance for me as like, well, I was like a junior in high school. So like that's right in the slot for me, mm. um, and you know uh, they they sort of like drag out these 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 sort of like they you know they came out of and we'll talk about this when we get to like the sort of deeper genre conversation. But they're pulling some of these punk and pop punk and hardcore sounds that emo grew out of in the scene that they came from, yeah. and then they're pairing it with these hyper melodic sort of pop vocals, um, and it. I mean, it totally obviously worked for a ton of people, but it worked for me for sure. Um, but so they, they they put themselves on the map and then, you know, it, it takes a couple of years. They they have to be a little more established, but like Pete Wentz sort of puts his money where his mouth is and like bears it all to, to like, and starts talking about his mental health. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, in 2005, 2008, like it's less stigmatized than it was 50 years before that but there isn't a show on TV about therapists dealing with, you know, their family's like generational trauma or like, you know, a wife dying, uh, right. one, you know, shrinking, whatever. But like it, there was still stigma and he just like owned it. And like, you can see that willingness to do that in this album, which I think is like what you're describing. It's yeah. It's interesting. I think we'll dig into this a little bit in the categories I'm of two minds of it because you're right that uh, he he is like if if you look one level deeper, everything is exposed and everything is raw and it, it really is like as raw and candid. Uh, I think an examination of someone's like mental health uh, that like I would that like up until that point, right? Like that, yeah. I don't I don't know that there's any comp. That being said, um, there's something that bothered me a little bit about how, like, there's, I I guess the truth is, I'm I'm processing this in real time, like, the songs, the titles, the goofiness, 
like the tongue in cheekness of it. I think you almost need that to counteract and to balance like just how heavy and 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 like uh sad the the lyrics are because if it if you had the sad boy lyrics and it was just like a hundred percent like unimpeded like we're gonna dwell in it it would be a it would be a different genre i don't think it could exist as like emo or or pop punk It, it would be something completely uh different but yeah I, I think they you need kind of like you need that counterbalance in order for it to even make like be consumable otherwise it's, it's just like way too sad like i mean certainly on like a on like a popular scale or like certainly yeah. on the scale that this was received at um and, yeah, and we're kind of dancing around it a little bit i i, I think maybe let's this is a good time to set the history like the context of the album yeah. which is first album comes out it's fairly successful they have pressure to make this album yeah and it like gets to pete and like midway through if i'm not mistaken i believe he tries to kill himself with an overdose of adamant like his, his antidepressant yeah um and then the rest of the album <laughs> i don't really understand the mechanics of this but he writes the rest of the album while he's like recovering um i mean i don't know like i feel like what other like clearly this is a person who is like facing down the state of their life right like he is like taking an inventory and like looking at his life and it's like brutal i actually don't know how old he is at this time but i mean he can't be it's got to be like 20 or something right? right and he's like a 20 year old or whatever who's looking at his life and going like i've not amounted to anything and i'm never gonna amount to anything which and is the like, pressure of trying to amount to something is like it's too much yeah right. yeah, and, yeah and they any and, and so what does he do he puts it in all the lyrics and i, I can't help but wonder i mean it's you know whatever i'm i'm it is it is it is easy to sort of like look at in hindsight with the context of the, these stories and, and whatever but you like you know they, they they've talked a lot about how this album in particular was the album where they sort of figured out their process as a band which is yeah, yeah. Wentz writes the words stump writes the like melodies and yep. you know everybody else sort of follow, falls it falls in there but like if that's not your process can you come out with songs like this where the lyrics are just gutting. Oh, that's interesting. Have this sort of soaring, you know, major, yeah, um, yeah, melodic, yeah. you know, church choir esque, you know, vocals. I, I don't know. Uh, easy, easy to sort of like backseat quarterback and that be like, yeah, of course that's how it would go. But um, you're actually right. You're actually right that because of the process, like there's a detachment between the lyrics and the the sound of the songs themselves. And it is uniquely because of like the way that they've structured things. That's that, that's actually you're you're 100 right about that. Yeah. And the crazy thing though is that in spite of that, in spite of that detachment, like when you listen to Patrick Stump's voice, like he feels the emotion. He is able to communicate what Pete Wentz is feeling, right? In a way where you know you look at the YouTube comments, people are confused. People think that he's talking about his own suicide attempt. It's like, no, he's channeling Pete. It's just, he's so talented and so good at 
like emoting the the fuck out of it that you 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 can feel it and it's it's fascinating and i think like one of the things that really made me appreciate the album was like how he could kind of embody the lyrics and embody Pete Wentz like on on these songs so it's it's um yeah I, I think that level of understanding the process is is pretty vital to to understanding the album yeah yeah so this album big smash hit rockets them into the stratosphere and then they've just been cranking out albums since you know they they have a couple of other good hits and we'll sort of like talk about maybe some of the some of the other other albums that maybe we could have considered considering. Um, I, I did just have a funny moment while we were talking about this, but I realized now that we've done three, all three of the albums that we've talked about are sophomore albums. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. And so, yeah, just, ooh, a, just ooh, a funny and, little and note. The next one too. Oh, that's right. Wow. Oh. Wow. What's going on here? Okay. We're, we're going to have to do a special episode of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It'll wow. be a... Uh, a metacognition episode where we talk about <laughs> why we are invested in the sophomore iteration of these bands. I don't know. That's, that's okay. That's fascinating. Okay. So there, there is one other thing I want to, uh, well, there's a couple other things I want to chat about before we really get into the categories, but one of the things yeah. that you mentioned to me, and I, I just want to make sure we covered it. Um, but one of the things that you had mentioned to me sort of early on when you were, uh, or listening to the album, and maybe this is sort of in line with what you were talking about those those sort of like sounds you were hearing. But you you had some thoughts about the production of the album. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'll be honest. Like, it sounds really cheesy to me, and I think. Sorry, I forgot to lead off this entire episode with an errata about the previous episode <laughs> where I'm sorry to all of the Jimmy Eat World fans out there because I talked a lot of shit about how Baby Soft and Smooth uh, the 30 <laughs> album was and that seems really inappropriate because I started to post on the Jimmy Eat World subreddit and I am sure that they did not really appreciate that. Uh, uh, so I apologize. Uh, that album is not Kendall Smooth. It is just soft and pliable, like a piece of bubble gum, but that's besides the point. So I shouldn't talk to, I, I don't want to talk too much shit about Fall Out Boy. Like I want to lead with the fact that like, I have a really, really deep appreciation for this album now. I will say that there are a lot of parts of the production that, right, sound pretty dated or sound really stilted uh, in a way. And I can enumerate like quite a few of them. I mean, even just leading off with, the, the, the clicky clacky of the cameras. Uh, that was, there, there are like four or five moments on this album that again, like made me recoil and just feel like, oh, like I, I don't, it doesn't hold up, man. Um, and, and that's like, that's a good, that's as good a kind of like indicator and lead in as any. It's like the first sounds that you hear are like the most, it, it sounds like the, when you take a snippet on your MacBook, like the, clicky noise like yeah. that's that's like what they do multiple times on the beginning of this album and it like it I don't think it sounds very good uh but I get like thematically that that's kind of the lead-in because so much of this album is about dealing with like the fame and the spotlight and all this stuff so like it makes sense why they do it 
I just wish that it sounded better or that like it held up a little bit better. Um, and we can dig in in the categories. I, I have like some other examples of that, but that's, uh, there are like probably four or five things that I have like secondhand embarrassment about. But again, in spite of that, I think that the album shines through because of like the depth of the lyrics, the intricacy of, of, of some of the wordplay that he does. And then the overall catchiness and soaringness of the courses that you're describing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> fallout boy fans. It's okay that I'm saying this because I'm still complimenting <laughs> you in some way, but it, yeah, there's some stuff. It's like, pretty yeah. Cool. I mean, I think uh, just a couple of things, like one, uh, one of the things that I really like uh, or have enjoyed so far about talking about these albums is that these are albums that came out 15 plus years ago yeah. and they're, their legacy is cemented, right? Like I enjoy dissecting these albums and talking about these albums and talking about things that do and don't hold up or things we like, but I don't really think of us as like reviewing the albums. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't, I don't think of ourselves as like the arbiters of whether or not they're good. Like their legacy is cemented. It's, it's a good like, point. It's a good point. And so um, I, I feel like, you know, being able to say, well, you know, 15 almost 20 years later yeah that that sound effect doesn't work because the digital camera sound doesn't exist anymore <laughs> um, um but and again this is a thing that we will talk about when we get more into the categories uh but like a little sort of preview i think it's so of the time yeah yeah and and particularly for me, a person who was, you know, what, 16 or 17 at the time, like, even the songs I don't know really transport me to a time. Mm. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more because I, I think that it is, um, I think that it, it falls into some of, the, some of the categories a little bit deeper and I want to sort of chew on it. Okay. Um, so for uh, one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit from the production standpoint is, um, especially coming off Jimmy World Clarity and also, you know, Dejan Tondu a little bit, but I, I was listening to this album and I listened to it and I listened to it a few times and I couldn't, I, it sort of struck me that there are not that many different sounds on the album. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, like, and then I tried to like, I went to, when I went back and I went to like re-listen and I'm like starting to listen for like, okay, different ways they're playing the guitar, like different types of distortion on the guitar, like different, and it, there's just not that much of it. And I was like, wow, that's so crazy. It's like there's bass, there's drums. And then the thing that finally clicked for me about like, you know, yes, there is a lot of sort of samey, but where, where that is absent in the instruments, it is wildly present in the vocals. Vocals, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. That and they lean so hard on it. It's like, you know, I, they lean so hard on it. Like there are times where he's literally just singing syllables. And, you know, that is in many songs in many different places as, you know, Hey Jude, whatever. But yeah. like in, in this album, there it is, it is another instrument. It is not just yeah. a vehicle for the yeah. lyrics and it's not just this guy has a voice. It is another instrument. And, and I think that that is really powerful when you connect it with what you were talking about earlier about how connected he is to what he is singing and yeah. what it means. Um, 
Dude, that is such a good point. And I, you know, we don't have a category or an award for this, but I came away from this saying like Patrick Stump is maybe one of the most talented vocalists in, and I hope I'm saying his name right, in in all of uh emo music. Like you're you're so right that he can change up his cadence, his pronunciation, the inflection and you're right, because before you made the comment about the lack of variation in the instruments, like one of the things that I jotted in my notes is like, there are four or five different like major bands. Like it, there are songs that track to like major bands in, in my head. And it's not be, it, it, like upon further re reflection, it's not the instrumentation, but like th there's, a, right, there's a song that sounds like Bowling for Soup. There's a song that sounds like a Springsteen song. There's a song that sounds like uh like an afi song and that's all is you're saying like entirely due to the way that patrick Trump is like doing the inflection or like changing the pace of things um yeah no he is uh he is the real mvp which is awesome because for the longest time i thought that pete wentz was the lead singer of fallout boy so like we have to give the man his credit like he's kind of you know, he's not a typical front man. He's not a typical lead man from what I can tell, but no. he is, I, I mean, he's as instrumental to like the sound and, and like the success of this album as, as anyone. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's interesting. Like Pete Wentz is the front man of Fall Out Boy. Right. He is, but he's not the lead singer. It's an fascinating setup. Yeah. I, like, I don't know a lot of other examples of that. Um, not, Somebody not in a way with like such clearly defined roles and like everyone has a specific lane. It's yeah, I don't know. The, the structure of the band is fascinating to me. So the, the only other thing that I wanted to just mention here, because I think it's uh, it's sort of fun. I, I think it's too, too, uh, a little too arcane to be really, really, really trivia. But there are three other artists uh, who make guest appearances. Mm. Uh, and it's, I, it's funny because unless you're really, really listening for it or somebody has pretty clearly outlined it, you almost wouldn't know, which is pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, but William Beckett of the Academy is Brendan Urie of Panic at the Disco. Yeah. No, to no one's surprise. And, uh, and Chad Gilbert of Newfound Glory. Uh, so they all make appearances on this album, which is also pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, Brendan Urie hadn't hadn't blown up yet, but Newfound Glory is established at right. this point very much, and uh, I, I also think the Academy is was 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 really more on the scene at this point than than Fallout was. So it it is so interesting though, because like they're there, but they're they're not. You're right. Like I don't I don't feel Chad Gilbert, uh, but but I, I guess that's like it's kind of like uh, Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. When it's like, okay, I hear this, I, I see this guy, he's doing something. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, like that's Tom Cruise, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 it's yeah, kind yeah. of what's happening with the Chad Gilbert stuff. Because yes. if I'm not mistaken, he's doing a lot of like the screaming parts. Um, and I forget what song that was, but. Uh, it's a, I, sl I slept with someone in Fallout. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's like very kind of like a way off, off brand for him. So yeah, it's interesting. It, it it's one of those things that yeah, I think rewards a little bit more introspection. Like when you read the liner notes, you're like, oh fuck, Chad Gilbert's on there. Like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's oh, it's, well. it's a nice little like Easter egg. 
Yeah. Um, so one last personal anecdote, and then I want to I want to throw some trivia at you and see yeah. see how you do. So my 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 little last piece of context here about like what the album means to me personally, uh, you know, Sugar We're Going Down is a fucking smash hit. I've I've loved it forever. Uh, but uh, I just had my first wedding anniversary, and I was delighting to remember that Sugar We're Going Down was the nightcap song, the last song played by the DJ at my wedding. That was the send off. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what do we think about the lyrical content of that song? A hundred percent on purpose. Come on, opening it up with we've been married for three hours and am I more than you bargained for yet? <laughs> now again, like I think the most like, self-deprecating. <laughs> right? Right. We know what I'm about. But Jeez. but I I think that I think that I, I really like this as like sort of a quintessential example of what what we've been talking about with this album and with the sort of juxtaposition of content and and uh and music. Um but I I the 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 most the I think the to me the adjective that describes this album the best. Everything about the album, top to bottom is this album wants to be clever. Yes, yeah, when, when, when I was listening to it and reading the, uh, reading the lyrics, reading the, the names of the songs, I was brought back to like our conversation about clarity and like when you were talking about most emo bands and emo albums being clever, I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly what he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. And this is the distillation, this is the absolute yeah. epitome of that. Yeah. Like, all of the lyrics even the music like like is intended to be clever the song titles are intended to be clever yeah um and so i think taking it in that light it's like that is that is that is how i hold that song that is how i hold a lot of this album and so for me it's like am i more than you bargained for yet is like a big old wink mm -hmm. giving you mm -hmm. a big old wink to the camera um the camera that's taking pictures at the beginning of the album um but so it was the nightcap song like the clicky and then you'll love this even more our recessional having just said our vows promising to spend our lives with one another having our big first kiss as a married couple was the vitamin string quartet version of sugar we're going down which i don't know if you know vitamin string quartet i don't they're no. awesome they're this string quartet that does like totally pared down acoustic string covers of mm. a million different pop songs. Um, obviously I am particularly fixated on the like emo versions of them, wow. but um, yeah, there there's like a bunch of different, like they do Taylor Swift, they do Beyonce, they do, you know, like rap songs, they do everything. So um, that is a little personal anecdote to, uh, you know, I, I don't have a strong emotional tie to this album, but that song, you know, forever linked. It, it is so interesting though, because like that's kind of what we're dancing around a little bit here is you and I don't really feel super connected to this album, but it is like it's part of the fucking zeitgeist in a way that I mean, I yeah, I get it. It's like more commercial than like any of the other albums that we've reviewed before, but I would say it's it's more of the zeitgeist than maybe any other emo album that I can think of, um, it, which is which is wild. Yeah, I mean, and 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 that is, you know, I, I, 
I want to, we will talk a little bit later about like, I think I have some thoughts on why that is. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I think that that's part of like, why I have ties to like some of the bigger hits and like why they're like, why they sort of connected because it's like two kids in this scene, like this was the album that really started to like grate on MTV. And like, if you had Blink-182, you know, they were, they existed in the pop space. They're not quite emo. They're right? not emo. Yeah. They're not emo. And, and they are even more touching. Like so much of their stuff is like yeah, sarcastic yeah. or just totally gag jokey that it's like, this album is clever, but it does take itself seriously. Um, it's a, it, it doesn't want to take itself too seriously. Yeah. Sometimes to its detriment, probably. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it's anchored in a lot of like real raw emotion. And we, I want to dig into this a little bit more. My theory is it's, it's like a defense mechanism, right? Oh. Like it's, 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 yeah, yeah. So just yeah. not, not I mean, just I think psychoanalyze right. Pete Wentz. I'm sure he has a lot of people doing that, but. Um, right. I mean, and, and we don't even need to psychoanalyze him. We can just talk about what's on the album and that is it, right? Like that right. is. Like you, you said it. You said this would not be palatable. This would not be consumable if it wasn't that way. And if that's not, it, like, it would be like, if that's not defense domestic. Like it would be the saddest possible shit. Like, think of. All right, great. We'll add that to the list for sure. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I want to. I want to hit you with some some trivia. Uh, some of this you may may know. Some of it you okay. may not. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, is this a game or is this how do we how do we do this? Uh, I will I'll I'll propose you a question. You give me give me your answer. Okay. Uh, okay. I think uh, let's see. Uh, I have I have I have three three questions for you. Not not a ton. First yeah. one, just straight straight numbers. Do you know how high this album reached on the Bill, Billboard 200? I I. <laughs> you read the same Wikipedia articles. I don't I haven't retained this one, or maybe I have. I, in my head, it's like it was like number nine. Is that right? Or yeah, nicely okay. done. Nice reading comprehension. Done. Let's go. Debuted <laughs> at number nine. Yeah, what'd you get on your uh, SATs? Um, <laughs> seven thirty, seven fifty. I don't know. verbal. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, all right. Uh, do you know uh, what the title is a reference to? Read the same <laughs> I don't know that I fully understand the reference though. So if you can dig in and, and kind of. Yeah. So yeah. it's a reference to what I think is like really just like a children's book, but it's called the story of Ferdinand. And it's about Ferdinand the bull who just like wants to go around like sniffing flowers and enjoying his life and not having to be a matador. Mm. And so uh, it's a line from from that book um, where I think he is like, you know, it, you know, it ties in with these these themes of like sort of do I or don't I want to be famous? Do I or don't I want to be in the ring? Do I have to go go to fight it out? Um, yeah. And then my last one. This is uh, this is a little bit a little bit more fun, but two episodes of One Tree Hill were named after songs from this album. <laughs> Can you name the two songs? I'm cracking up because uh, 
this is uh, maybe destroying one of our categories, but I had a proposal for you that we need to rename or reframe the <laughs> OC award to whether or not it was on the One Tree Hill soundtrack. Because incredible, there's so many more emo songs are on that. Like when I did the full, I, I'm not embarrassed <laughs> to say that I went and like trolled through the entire discography and track by track of the OC soundtrack. And yep. there's actually not that much emo music on it. Uh, it's it, And then I was like, okay. But One Tree Hill features like literally every album that we've been looking at. <laughs> so just- All right, all right. Maybe we'll have to rename it. Incredible. Sorry, so two of the episodes were named after songs on this album. Yeah. Wow, I actually don't. Take a, take a guess, take a guess. Uh, uh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Let, me, let me give you a hint, let me give you a hint. The two songs are, are uh, one after another in the album. They're next to each other in the album. Interesting. Okay, I... I... It, it, it's, it's interesting because so many of the song titles are references already to quotes of movies. So I'm, yep. my logic is, well, this one is also a reference to a movie, but if I had to venture a guess, I'll start with sophomore slump or comeback of the year. Is that? No. Um, no. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know that I have it because I was going to say that and then champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. Yes. Which is actually like a, of the clever, like two clever album titles or like song titles, that's my favorite one. Probably- yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good. It's not a, it's not a, an original to them. Right, right. But it's- it is good. Okay, so then the other one is I slept with someone in Fall Out Boy and all I got was this stupid song. <laughs> I don't know anything about One Tree Hill. I don't understand why they would just call an episode that. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I don't know anything about One Tree Hill either, but when I found this out, it really made me want to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Is it an emo show? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, right. Here's here's what I know about it. It was on the CW. So, (laughs) yes, I guess. Like... If it's on the CW, it's got to be melodrama. So maybe that will be. And if, like, you know, like you said, like all of these names, all these song titles are different, uh, different episode names. Um, You know, I'm a sucker for the like theme of, uh, like, themed naming of of episodes. Interesting. Yeah. The one about or the something or whatever. Um, so I, I like that sort of concept for naming episodes, but what, what do you think about the Big Bang Theory naming stuff after like physical uh theories and, and, and postulates and stuff? I mean like I am like the biggest naysayer of the Big Bang Theory <laughs> the show. I don't think it's funny. And I think it's horrible, but that's for another, uh, that's for another time. Oh God, don't. I just wanted to get that soundbite so that I could put this on the Big Bang Theory subreddit (laughs) and we could just get destroyed. (laughs) We wouldn't get destroyed. Oh, maybe we would. There's that show has a lot of fans and I. Just poorly written and typed out like comments blaming us. God, it's impossible. Um, Interesting. So, okay. One trail. 
I think it warrants a little bit further investigation. Like, what is this? What is this shit? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'll tell you what, between this and our next episode, I'll just binge watch the entire show and I'll let you know. (laughs) We'll come out with a sub episode, which is me just giving an abstract (laughs) of eight plus seasons of this melodrama, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is uh, Hillary Burton, who I don't even remember what she's from. I just remember her being, uh, you know, uh, an attractive lady is, is is on that show. That's that's all I know about One Tree Hill. Um, more more than I got. Fascinating. Well, in the CW. Yeah. Um, okay. One one more thing before we get into uh, categories. What you got? So I have <laughs> a new segment, which is how can we continue to talk shit about Jimmy Eat World? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> In reading the Wikipedia article on this album, uh, they someone pulled out a quote. I don't think it was from Pitchfork. I forget who it was from, but fucking cracked me up because it goes really hard in an unnecessary way. So this person was reviewing uh, the album and like giving it really high marks. And what they say is the OOs and punchy chords of all the gin joints in the world are thrill greater than any Jimmy Eat World album ever. And it's just like, why do you got to do that? Like, it just veered directly into the traffic of Jimmy World just to inflict pain. Like, I caught a stray, man. They caught a stray. Like, that is just like, just a casual, like, I mean, why do you got to do that? I don't know. They, they must have. They, I bet that guy really liked Clarity and really hated Bleed American and was so bitter that this album came out and to me World hadn't written it. I don't know, man. Like maybe maybe he had like a bet with somebody else in the office and that guy said that Jimmy World would always be a better band. And so this guy just hated them. But I, I did also see that and I was like, that is vicious. Why are you doing that? Like, you could have just said it's a good album. <laughs> you don't have to bring them, bring them up by bringing Jimmy World down. Like it doesn't make any sense, man. Like just torched them. <laughs> brutal, totally brutal. Oh my god. Uh, fuck. Okay. Finally, are we? Are we? Are we ready for categories? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, at the Circle K, Lax Machiavelli is away from keyboard award. What is the lyric that you would put away as, as your aim away message? I mean, there's like a million things that I could pick from Sugar We're Going Down or from Dance Dance, I think. Uh, and I'm fairly certain Sugar We're Going Down did make some rotations, uh, but I can't help but try to have a little bit of a hipster off pick for really for most of the awards, but nice. for this one in particular. Um, so I, I picked from uh, from sophomore slump or comeback of the year. The best part of Believe is the Lie. Mm. I hope you sing along and you steal a line. I need you to, uh, I need to keep you like this in my mind. So give in or just give up. It's good. It's good. Dude. Yeah, I, I, and, and, I, and the the best part of believe is the lie is like uh, that's it, right? Like that's again like a perfect example of what this album is about. It's like oh, I noticed this thing. It's a little bit clever. It's it's wordplay, and it sounds fucking awesome when they're singing it on this you know upbeat track. It's actually an, like an incredible lyric. 
I will say. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think more than anything, it just highlights like, you know, Pete Wentz got really famous and, and like, uh, he's like a star and it's, part of it is, is cause he has, you know, the certain look or, you know, he, he was with Ashley Simpson, but like, he's also really fucking smart. <laughs> and like, I, I, I have an appreciation for his insight and like certain parts of his poetry and, and his way with words, I guess is the way that I put it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one's really good. Um, what you got? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because my take on like a lot of the lyrics is like they're really good. He does a really good job, but like so many of them were like too vulnerable or too like on the nose and too hurt. And like I just don't at that point in my life, I don't think I'd ever been betrayed like that badly before. <laughs> like so, there's there's no it it just like feels like exposing too much, which is I guess like a credit to to them though that like if I feel weird and iffy about putting something as a way message, the fact that they're broadcasting that and putting that as like lyrics in a song and like they're connected to real life, like they're really putting it out there. They're really exposing like their cards, which yeah. uh, more like all the credit to, to Pete Wentz for like, we love vulnerability. Um, but so the one that I picked out was, um, let's see, it was from, I got a dark alley, which like, okay, I'll, wow. I'll, I'll tell you now. I, I texted you midway through when we were listening to this album. And I was like, there's a song that made me cry. And I was not expecting to fucking cry from a Fall Out Boy album and a Fall Out Boy song. But that one got to me, man. And that one was, out of any of the ones, is, is the one that most directly addresses kind of like what Pete's going through. And like, Again, it's it's so fascinating because like it's what Pete was going through, but it's channeled through Patrick Stump's voice. And like the emotion and the pain that I hear in that is like really what got to me. And like it it, it hit me. Um so in particular, the lyric that I, I really like glommed onto is uh I want to be known for my hits, not just my misses, which is it's just like in life yeah it's it's true like that that's the way that you want to be treated and then like hearing that from someone like pete wentz who previously i had thought of as like this pretty boy and prima donna and like i had a lot of associations negative ones with like who the what he occupied in pop culture like it made me have like a really really deep empathy for him and i think in addition to kind of like just the surface level of that lyric it's it's actually like a triple entendre right so like it's just uh kind of metaphorically people thinking about you in terms of the positive things that you do as opposed to the negative things yep hits not just misses hits as in like he wants to be known for like the hit songs that he writes yeah and then the last one is like misses he doesn't want to be known for his misses misses in 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 that like He's in the tabloids about the women that he's dating, right? So, man, the fact that he can stack like those three meanings into one lyric and like still have it make like a a sense on on, like every single level is is, like crazy. And so that was the kind of the inflection point for me when I was like, okay, these guys are actually really fucking good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it, 
you know, that's the thing. It's like, there's like this way where they almost like tricked everybody into listening to this album almost, right? Like, yeah. I just think it's, it's very, it's very deceptive. And like, until you start taking a sort of closer look at it and really sort of pulling it apart, it's like, you'll intuit that, you feel it, I think. Like, you know, uh, there is a lot of sort of sameness, but you feel the pull of it and you're like, well, it feels like there's a little more here. Um, and, and I'll talk about some of this uh, a little bit in a, in a section coming up. Um, yeah, man, that song is, 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 is pretty intense. And like, that's the one that they said that they would not play live. And yeah. uh, uh, the, the quote that I probably came across, but that, that Pete talked, said about this one was, uh, he's, he says, this song is about looking in the mirror and not feeling safe in your own skin. And like, that is just like heartbreaking, especially with the hindsight of, or knowing, you know, what's coming for him. Yeah. As he's recording this album. And I don't know if this comes, you know, we, right. knows, we're in the process. Before or after it's either we're, we're, we're hearing from him on the ramp. Right. To it, which is, you know, God, like, like makes you tighten your chest. Yeah. Or we're hearing him talk about that having having just come out the other side and and either way it's that's no joke like that is i mean and it's i don't know to me that that he is able to have like you're saying this triple entendre that nuance um that is still so like brutally raw and emotional and not skip a beat it's like wow yeah no I, I, I'm, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because it, it is like in these I don't I just don't know very many albums that I've listened to where like I can actually feel someone's pain and like that's a song where like you can you can feel like all of what he's going through um and again it's, he's not singing it he's not singing it it's fucking crazy but it, yeah. It, yeah 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 um, and uh, yeah and it's just you know you said it like they are their willingness to be vulnerable is is pretty crazy his willingness to be vulnerable in these lyrics is pretty crazy and like the fact that they are they just fully commit to pulling absolutely no punches and then at the same time like this album scores as a massive pop hit you're like it's crazy it's like you just have to hold these two realities at the same right, time right, right, right. like it is interesting because I, I guess what i'm like trying to reflect on and think about is it is and it fuck is it that it was successful in spite of like the subject matter and being so dark or was it successful because of it and i i, I think like if you think about the segments for emo kids like i'm sure 100 sure it's successful because of like their their exposure and their willingness to to be that raw but for the general population like trl and stuff like that i think it's in spite and they just like wrote some really fucking catchy songs yeah yeah so i think that sort of transitions us a little bit into our next category um uh, so the chris caraba hands down this is the best day i can ever remember like what's is there a moment for you on this yeah that has you know the best track or the best section of the album yeah um so i, I think keeping with my trend of having the lyric the 
away message essentially be the best moment. I think that what, what I put here is like, honestly, anytime they talk about real emotion um, is like a high point of, of the album. So there's, I think two or three songs, there's a two or three song sequence where it's like, they get really into it. So I got a funeral and then directly into Ada Van Halen. Uh, those two songs back to back where like, again, yeah, you're just really in the thick of what Pete Wentz is going through um, is it's, to me, the album's not successful. The album doesn't mean anything without those two songs. Um, it's interesting though, cause like I wrote this down in the notes. I don't, I, I may back off this a little bit, but I was getting a little bit annoyed with how much closer and, and like how much I appreciated them really exposing and talking about the raw emotion, but then having that defense mechanism of like the clever titles and like the clever lyrics and like making light of it. And it, it, I, I wrote down that it just reminded me a little bit of Goodwill Hunting and like all of these like massive amounts of defense mechanisms that he had built up to avoid like being scrutinized and really talking about like all of the stuff that like was boiling right under the surface that people could see. Like that's kind of what it feels like to me on this album. But like, I, you know, I, I maybe have changed my mind a bit in that, like, I think it kind of had to be that way. Otherwise, like it would just be, again, <laughs> it would be domestic. Right. Like, but I think, but I think like, you know, if both things can be true, right. Like, like I think really what we've been driving at for, for a lot of this conversation is how, there are sort of like the two realities of this album, which yeah. is like it's written by a dude who tried to kill himself while he was writing it. Oh, he's writing it, and, and then they started writing again. Like it's fucking insane, dude. And then, and then uh, the the second piece is like they were already relatively famous, and then this capital cat catapulted them to absolute fame. Like yeah. the music, the you know the the singing, like the vocals. Like yes, they're tapped into this hyper emotive and dark space but they're you know there's literally one song where it's in a lower register like at all you know right. he's always singing up in his like i don't know if it's actually his head voice he's got a ridiculous range like it's, it's awesome but i think it might be the only one based off of reddit comments right? Yes, right, right um what you got yeah so for me you know I, I think the thing that struck me when i was trying to answer this question and and really when i think about this album is that like almost every song on the album could be a hit. I think for the most yeah. part, the songs are a little bit undercooked, which is why they're not. But like, they all have a good enough hook, almost all have a good enough hook that if you filled that out, didn't repeat the verse two or three times, yeah. built it a little bit different, that they could have been the hit. And that is insane like the the number and the quality of hooks on this album everywhere is is ridiculous yeah no you're right i i, I think uh one of the quips that i want to say is like these guys know how to write a fucking chorus they know how to, to make things soar and to make you want to sing along to them yeah um, it's it's a crazy innate ability but you're so right that every single song on here feels that way that where like you immediately once you get to the course you just want to follow along you're sucked yeah. into it, right like yeah. 
Um, yeah. And I, so as I just think I, that is like remarkable to me. And so it gave me a little bit of pause. Obviously, again, I'm going for like hipster stuff, right? Like <laughs> I fucking love the, a couple of moments in Sugar were going down because they're so fun. Um, but uh, the one that I kept coming back to listening to this album over and over, the one I, I, uh, I guess alongside this, like basically whatever song I put down, I would have like the chorus of that song like stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if you had the same experience, but I'd listen to two thirds and I'd walk away at a certain point, whatever. But the one that I kept coming back to was from Nobody Puts Baby in the Corner. And it was, keep quiet. Nothing comes as easy as you. Can I lay in your bed all day? I'll be your best kept secret and your biggest mistake. And it's just like, that really hit for me. And I, I, it has this really driving rhythm. And it was like, that was like a thing that would like get totally earwormed in my head and just rolling around and around and around as I'm like doing the dishes, as I'm prepping dinner, like whatever, whatever sort of menial stuff. Um, that one really earwormed. So, also credit to Patrick Stump, like his ability to just churn through syllables in in courses is kind of crazy like it's really insane and i and i was thinking about this a lot actually as i was you know i was sort of like uh whenever we do this like i have a bunch of listens that i just am listening to then i have some like active listens and then i have some like i always try to make sure i listen at least once through where i'm like going through the lyrics the entire yeah. um and actually like and one of the things that really struck me about this was his ability and willingness to take these lines and compress or stretch them and hit, put emphasis in different places to make them work with what with lyrics that are written is really yes. crazy and remarkable. Yes. Yeah, I, I think he just can contort the space-time continuum of the lyrics yeah, man. in and a it way that- so effortless. And then you are reading it and you're like, I would, I would never read that line that way. I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's true. And and it's like, I, I'm generally not good at like understanding and hearing lyrics, but I think with this, with this album, this band in particular, I have no clue what they're saying most of the time because of like the way that he just kind of, uh, you know, Jenga's or, or whatever the, the metaphor is, like he just kind of wraps it around whatever the, the beat is. Like it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, have you ever seen the like uh, what's it called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like bad lyric, misheard. No, I think it's not misheard lyrics. It's like bad lyric versions of like particularly emo songs. Mm, I, I have one, not. This one is always the high watermark for me. Um, Fall Out Boy, Sugar, we're going down. It's like trying to make sense of what he's saying in the chorus. It's like the one that always. Um, the one that always sticks out to me is we're going down, down in a Lurlira. <laughs> and it's like, they just, they just, you know, it's, it's essentially a bad lip reading, but in reverse yeah. where you just yeah, have yeah. the audio and somebody types out what they're hearing. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I, I super recommend it. Uh, maybe we'll put it in the, uh, in the notes. Yeah, it is. It, I, I'm having that sensation of like, and when we get to karaoke song, we'll we'll discuss this of like there are songs on here this is the first album where i'm like i want to do this for karaoke but i know that i would get up to the mic and just be like i have no clue what's happening right now i have no clue what i'm supposed to say <laughs> it's almost like uh i don't know if you've had this experience either trying to 
perform a rap or watching somebody try to perform a rap that they think that they know. Mm, it is right. a thousand times harder than you think it is. And if you don't really, really know it, like it wasn't until I started singing karaoke and trying to sing a, like rap songs at karaoke ever that I really appreciated what rappers talk about when they talk about flow. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I don't think, what does that mean? That means they have rhythm. What? And then I right. get up there and you're like, I don't know how to say these words in that way unless you know it dead to rights. And it's like, yeah. Right, right. I, I, but the interesting thing is like when we do it or when I do it at least, like I am just parroting and tr like trying to rewind the cassette tape of my mind and then play back exactly the way that Eminem would do it or exactly yes. the way that Dr. Yes. K would do it. But like for them to do it naturally, I don't, I don't know how you do figure that out, how you right. can kind of figure out how to put the pieces together to, to kind of shape the dough around the bumps or, or whatever it is. Like it's, yeah, it, it and is. I, and I think what is so remarkable about like how Patrick Stump is doing it uh, in conjunction with Pete Wentz, like I don't know how this part of the process works, but it's like, it's not like, his is not like he has a specific cadence or a specific rhythm like you said, it's his ability to contort the musical space-time continuum and syncopate this beat and this beat or sit on this part of the syllable and then like and then like really have us rush through the other yeah. part to like make it feel 100% natural, totally smooth. We're all just going along with the song. And then you like look at it from like a little bit more of like, a, and you're like, like what the actual words say. And you're like, what? How do we make, what? How did he fit that in? This line's four times longer than the line before it, and it's the same number of beats. Like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's the MVP. I, I, that's an interesting. Okay, we should start to think about this and compile this a little bit. Like, if we had to build like a a dream team or like a super band of of emo. Who who would we kind of put at each position? Let's yeah, let's start to contemplate that a little bit and compile it because I think to date he's the most impressive vocalist that we've we've heard. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Nice. All right, next up we got. Well, I guess this is growing up. What's the part that hits the most as an adult? I don't know. I'm not that creative. I was not very creative with all of this. It's it's the same ones. It's it's just like. When they talk about emotion, it like, it's great. And when they don't, it's annoying. <laughs> like, it, and, and that just is maybe the most perfect encapsulation of like who I am as an adult in 2023 and like what I'm looking for in like my friendships and relationships is like, listen, man, if you and I are going to be close, that means that we have to fucking be able to, we have to be able to talk about emotion openly and like immediately and not try to couch it. And like, uh, and open ourselves up, and then be receptive to someone else being open as well. So those 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 songs, like Adam Van Halen, I got a funeral. Like that resonates with me because like I can just appreciate what he's doing, and I want to catch him. Right, I want to be yeah. like the person that's listening. That's like, hey, I care about what you're saying. Like I'm I'm here for you, right? Like, and yeah, I I think like that just uh it's funny when when i um uh, 
when I go on dates or, or when I talk to people about, you know, why, why I moved uh, to, from Denver to San Francisco, it, it really just boils down to my answer is always like, I wanted to meet more dudes who could talk about emotion. And that's like, uh, that is a pretty good encapsulation of, I think, how yeah. I feel about these songs. And I don't know if Pete Wentz and I would be friends. Uh, I feel like he's kind of uh, gotten to a pretty good point in his life and seems like a, an upstanding citizen. So like probably, uh, so yeah. What, what, what about you? What do, what do you got? I like that. No, I think, I think that that's, it is like, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think what's crazy is about what you were talking about is like, I don't, I don't, I think that that type of honesty and that type of relationship and that type of openness, I'm not going to say it's commonplace now, right? Like it's still, it's not everywhere, but it is like much more common than it was a decade ago. Yes. And certainly much more prevalent than it was in 2005. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. 2005 is like the era where we're like, you know, they just, uh, uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy came out for the first time. Yeah. And like suddenly dudes who, take a shower and take care of themselves like at all are metrosexuals as opposed to like doing the basics you know like it's like okay all right so like i i i just think like this is i think you're right like that is really something that has aged unbelievably well and is so is so specific like so particularly stands out for for the time in which it was created so i don't i don't feel like that is everywhere yeah i'm curious do we think that do we think that they played an influence like how much of kind of the emotional state of of where our generation is is tied to that or or is it is it a independent phenomenon but like kind of hitting at the same thing i mean that's a I hard question to ask. right like it's impossible we can't say for sure i, I think it has to be it, it is it is not unrelated right like it is a thing that hit in a popular way like it was a huge success they became mega stars um and yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I think that that has like sort of been a, a, a trend that is has, has slowly been evolving, right? Like, the, the, the you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of different pieces to, to, I think, this discussion, including like the tip out of like nerd culture, I think is also related with like, yeah. you know, the popularization of like X-Men into Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, like, that whole sequence of like now has led into Marvel where like nerd culture is suddenly the mainstream. Mm. Um, and, and I think that there's some, some tie-in of that um, where we're like, we're, we're just not holding to those same, like essentially like machismo. Brute, brute standards. Like, of yeah. Right? Um, Interesting. But, but I don't know. It's, it's tough to say what, like how much they influenced it. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the OC is coming out at this time. Right. And like, those heroes are, you know, Ryan is a big burly guy, but he's a big burly guy who's got emotional issues, right? Like Seth Cohen is our other hero, you know, 
and he is like a, an uber nerd who listens to emo right like i mean so i think they are they are carrying the torch right like i i don't know that they caused it but they are the ones who are the tip of the spear of like really opening up to to popular culture because i mean this is the album that this is the album in the genre that hits that, that blows it up yeah it blows up the entire thing uh this is probably a good time for me to tell you i've never seen the oc <laughs> I hate it. it's incredible all right i'm gonna watch one tree hill you watch the oc we'll be all caught up and the cw will double its royalties <laughs> with those exactly two. um yeah for me like the the, the piece that ages the, the best or i don't even know if this is exactly aging well um but i think that it what i touched on it earlier like this album is so of the time to mm. me um in a way that i don't know if you can call it aging well as much as it's like it i feel like it is like this artifact that is so well preserved and so like it's this distillation is this capturing of lightning in a bottle of like what it felt like to be a teenager in mm. 2005 um and i know that that's not exactly what he's what is bearing out in those lyrics and like at the time, we don't know he's going to be trying to kill himself. Like, we don't know that, or I don't. No. And, you know, you take the song sort of on face value or whatever, um, or don't read into the lyrics too much, or, you know, you're a teenager yeah. and everything is a disaster or incredible, right? It's all black and white and extremes. Um, but it just sounds like 2005 to me. And obviously that's helped because of Fever You Can't Sweat Out comes out in the same year. Mm -hmm. So like that is also part of the sound. Um, and it's, you know, it's about them being on the cusp of being mega famous. I also think it's really specific that like, you know, a bunch of stuff that I was like rereading reviews and, 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 and people who sort of contextualizing are talking about how it blew up on MySpace. So it's like one of those, to me, one of those first sort of like internet famous albums mm -hmm. or it's like, not designed for the internet but really works in that context of you know we have our like away messages right like this this album is rife for that type of consumable media and so i think that that i don't know to me again i don't know that's really aging well per se but it is sort of like this you're you're looking back in time in a way, and i i appreciate that yeah, no, I, I, I do see that, right? It's, it's interesting because like, in some ways what you're saying is like, it, it just like is, it's kind of the opposite of aging well in that like it is so dated and tied to the time, but you're right that it's like invincible and unimpeachable from like that <laughs> moment, right? right. And, and, and like, um, that's fascinating what you're saying in terms of it being of the moment and of the internet. Like, uh, there's, you know, we live in a, a, a world in an era where like all the data in the world is like readily available to us. I wish that they tracked like, what were people's away messages? And we could do like queries and be like, okay, what were the most popular ones? Or what's, what's the biggest source material? Cause as we're talking about it, I, you gotta believe that like this, this has to be up there. What, what else could it be? Right. Like, um, fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, All right. So mixtape. Mixtape. What, what song, what's the, what's the first song on your mixtape? What, what are you going to put on a mix for a girl? 
so uh, this is a funny i, I don't want to we don't have to spend too long i don't have a ton to say about this one per se but I, we've had you know our two previous albums not a lot of not a lot of mixtape fodder. No, no. There's there's more here. There's more here, at least in terms of a, the sound of a song. But yeah, you go yeah. like a layer deeper. Like, you know, on one hand, I'm I want to say sugar, we're going down, right? Like with that with that eye wink, right? You, yeah. I, I put it on there with this is clever, right? <laughs> but big wink, yeah. yeah. It's got to be a big wink, right? Like. So uh, in the end, I went with uh, a little less sixteen candles. Was my uh, was my pick. Mm. And I think why? It had the sound. I think you know uh, it's 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 a little bit sort of self deprecating to me, which is my wheelhouse. Um, you know, like it's a little bit of back and forth with the guy and the girl, and you know the like you're just a girl all the boys want to dance with, and I'm just the boy who's had too many chances. It's like. Um, there's some some a little a little cute in there for me but interesting it's not it's not a friendly song it's not a friendly song dude like it's like but what what friendly song is there on this album i i i know it really you start going into it you're like this sounds friendly all of them have to be like you have to be handing the cd to the girl and saying wink wink yeah yeah read too much into the lyrics like yeah, it's I I I I don't know that there's an answer here. And again, like I think it's funny we found like answers for pretty much all of our categories at this point. This one, I'm starting to wonder. Maybe maybe this is premature. I'm starting to wonder if there's ever gonna be like a actually. I think on the next album when we review, there, there'll be some stuff here. So yeah, there's not there's not good fodder here. I don't, I don't have a lot here. Um, no, no. I, I have champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. And it's not even, it's it's not the lyrics. I just think that like the cadence that he sings is like really fun, but it's yeah. it's not, that's not a good answer. It's, you really shouldn't. I mean, again, in, in expose this, anyone in this to album, these. Yeah, in this album, you're really, you're really going to have to lean hard on how the song album, uh, how the song sounds no. as opposed to what they're saying, yeah. unless it's contextualized some other way. Like it's a breakup mixtape or it's a, uh, here's a song I really like mixtape, you know, like you could couch it a little bit. You can't do that though, because like any any time you exchange the music with someone, they're gonna read into the lyrics. Like it's there just, are a lot of rules. That's my <laughs> that's my high high fidelity reference for the <laughs> for the podcast this week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh okay. Well that was uh unfortunately another another bust, but we'll We'll, we'll get crack there. the egg at some we'll point. Get there. We'll, we'll get there. Um, okay. Boys Like You Are Diamond Dozen. Talk to me. What what other albums should we have considered here? Yeah, I I really love Take This to Your Grave, which is their debut album. You know, it has a real soft spot for me. Um, but this is the first big boy album. This is the one that puts them on the map. They've had other albums with you know like infinity on high had had probably more success like right. from an album sales and popularity standpoint is infinity on high does that have centuries on it or what, what, what is, what is that? um it has uh uh thanks for the memories it has uh it was the it was the next one um, okay okay one. it was from 2007 um 
oh, it has this ain't a scene. Oh, um, wow. And so, like, those were those were two pretty pretty big ones. I think, um, I think that was those were those were the two biggest ones. Did they cover Thriller on that album? Oh, oh, <laughs> I don't think you. Maybe did. I'm getting ahead of maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I you know. It, it, there were songs with more success. I don't know if there were songs with more critical success, but um, but this was really, to me, this is this is the one. Um, it is pretty remarkable to me, you know, when I was sort of trying to consider this, like how many albums they've put out. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, they just have like they've been so consistent. It's like every two to two to four years, like in a way that I feel like not a lot of these bands did. Right, and they came out with an album this year that is <laughs> relevant. Like I, I'm not saying it's like smash hit, but like right. they are still getting played on the radio consistently from multiple songs from multiple albums. And like you know, I'm I'm in Brooklyn. There's a big green wall across the street from some construction, and mm-hmm. they're posting album advertisements. And like their latest album was all over. It. Interesting. So I, that was really remarkable. Is is their current sound, would you still categorize it as like emo or pop punk or have they completely kind of like evolved to, to some uh, next plane of consciousness? I think it's I think it's a lot heavier on the pop, pop. spectrum. Okay. But but I think again, and I am not as well versed in their more recent stuff, but I but I will say I think it is like a few degrees less indexed towards pop than say Panic at the Disco is now, which is like that's it. Disco is putting out pop albums, right? Right. The songs like, that sound like the Beatles, yeah. Albums that sound like the Beatles, pop album, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor yeah. Swift doesn't write country music anymore. Full stop. Right. Like, right. Fall Out Boy still has some of those emo influences. I think it's interesting. At some point, well, I guess I don't know how much this is on theme with like our podcast and its mandate, but. It'd be interesting to to look at like what what a modern emo album looks like, or what's the yeah. closest proximity of a modern emo, and and like listen to that. Yeah, they call it fourth wave. There are plenty of bands putting albums out right now. Well, uh, well, I, I'm yeah. A little emo historian over here. No, no, no. I'm 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 not uh, I'm not washed up emo, but uh, <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll be the steward of the aughts or something like that. Just dub myself. Um. Yeah. Uh, how about your your so last summer award? What uh what has not aged well for you? Yeah, yeah. I touched on it. I think originally some of the production stuff, right? So I I'm still gonna say the clicky pack cameras are, are gonna bother me. <laughs> I I just wish they chose like a different sound. Uh, but I I think that there are a couple of other choices that. Yeah, just they're really heavy-handed. Um, so one is Pete Wentz starts to do some voiceovers at the end of songs, like some spoken word poetry. Uh, which one is it? Is it get get busy living? Get busy living or get busy dying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just <laughs> it sounds like uh, I'm gonna out myself a little bit. It sounds like something out of a song from Rent, like La Vie Bohème, like just the spoken word 
funkiness like incorporated in a way that's completely like at odds with like the way that the song sounds i just i think this is gonna piss the fans off because i think the fans really like his spoken word poetry but it just if out of context and not really like engaging deeply with the lyrics it sounds terrible <laughs> like it sounds so cheesy and overwrought and i feel bad saying that because like the guy's putting his, his his heart on a plate but it just sounds better when it's channeled through patrick Stone's voice and his cadence uh and when he, it's just pete wentz like talking at you about how he feels it's like okay that's a little and i guess that's kind of the point about the defense mechanisms and approaching it from like a really roundabout way is like Okay, when he actually talks to me directly about what he's feeling, I'm like, I don't, I'm sorry, man. Like, this is too much, bro. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think those are, those are the two for me. Yeah, I had the exact same thing. Uh, just doesn't, the spoken word and the poetry on top of it doesn't hit. I, I had, I don't know that that was ever really my thing, but as a teenager, I definitely had or was more interested in or had more tolerance for like interstitials and skits in the context of albums uh, or mixtapes or whatever. And I, I, it just, uh, that doesn't engage me in the same way anymore. Uh, I don't I know how much of that is my age or the times or whatever, but I really like the music on this album. Yeah. And so I want more of the music and I just would be like, I would hit that part. And after a few listens, I'd be like, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only other thing I had to add was, uh, I think the name of the song and the content in the song, but, uh, I slept with someone in fallout boy and all I got, this was the stupid song written about me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's, that is, uh, falls a little bit in the slot of, that sort of like emo misogyny and it's getting like, there the dudes are on the stage singing and the girls love them for it and like the the sort of like uh un disinterest in them participating or being sort of like humanized uh i think that that that, that dances around it not nearly mm -hmm. as bad really as like you know i don't think it's nearly as bad as uh Brand new, yeah. That uh, me versus Mary Donna versus yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think anything's gonna get. That's just it's that's a that's a confession, <laughs> like on on tape, like yeah, it's it's bad. Not, not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our Loris made us change the name of the song so we wouldn't get sued. Award. This is the award, man. This Come is on. this is it. This is it. Most appropriate um, song title or lyric. So, uh, so a little bit of uh, a little bit of fun trivia here. Uh, I'm sure you read this, but uh, the song was originally called "My Name Is David Ruffin" and these are the Temptations, uh, and it's a reference to how Ruffin tried to change the name of the Temptations to David Ruffin and the Temptations. Uh, that happened with Diana Ross and the Supremes, but that dude was not popular and got fired from the group because he alienated his bandmates. And I think that's hilarious and incredible, but basically their lawyers were like, the label was like, no, if mail, you do mail, that, mail. you're going to get sued. And their lawyer was like, if you do that, you're going to get sued. And so they were like, all right, we'll change the name and we'll change it to talk about that. Um, 
I will say this is one joke that actually lands really well. That's fucking hilarious. It's really good. It's good. <laughs> you know why? I, you know why I think it's good is because uh, it is clever, but it is meta. And at this state in the world, we love meta because every, all of us are not meta the company, not meta the the metaverse, but, but the place where people don't have legs. Yeah, but self self reflection. Uh, that song title is actually not my vote. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure if yours is, um, but I, I it's still the right name of the category. Um, my vote off of this album is get busy living or get busy dying do your part to save the scene and stop going to shows yeah so uh this is a a a four-parter for me one it has a subtitle slash parentheses two it mentions the scene in the name and by name three it's sarcastic and four last but not least it's a shawshank redemption lyrics Uh, excuse me reference are you kidding me Five. It's 19 words long. Like, it doesn't need to be this way. <laughs> like, just stop, man. Oh, man. Like, exercise a little bit of self-control and being able to kind of edit like your own shit. You know? It's, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm not into that. Uh, funny, though. Uh, lots <laughs> of track how many, uh, how many times the song after which the award is named doesn't win the award. Yes. I, 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 I am 100% with you that, that it's, it's actually this one, but uh, yeah, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> All okay. right. Thanks for the memories. Would you go see this band in concert? See, now that I know that I'm going to post this on the subreddit, like my answer <laughs> is a little bit different. Uh, I feel like I have to be political. I'll be honest. I, I said no. I said no. Um, I think in part having a complete detachment and lack of understanding of what the current sound of Fallout Boy is, right? Like, I think with some of the, well, no, like Jimmy, well, not so much. Like, I just don't know what what songs they would play. I think that they're like, it would be more like arena rock songs. I'd probably be at like an arena. Doesn't doesn't really sound like a fun experience to me. Yeah. I'll be honest. Um, and I don't really have a sense of what their live show is like. I, maybe I should have done a little bit more research on this because I wonder like, I wonder if Patrick Stubbs just fucking electric in concert and like that's worth the price of admission. Like to see yeah. that level of vocalist could be pretty cool. But off the bat, uh, you know, if you approach me and you're like, okay, you're in Brooklyn, like let's go see the show. I'd be like, I will probably pass on this one. Yeah. Um, but wait, what about you? I think I think I would like, I, or it would have to be super conditional. Like to be to be totally honest, transparent. I thought about going to see. I saw they had an album coming out. I knew they'd be touring. My fifteen-year-old nephew likes them, which wow. I probably should have mentioned earlier. But that's like mm-hmm. pretty crazy. He likes more of their older stuff. Um, which I love because I get to be in the slot for like cool uncle right now. Um, But I was like, okay, maybe we could do that together. That would be hilarious. And like a totally bizarre experience. Um, Well, I looked at tickets and there were, you know, it was an arena. We're a little more expensive than I really wanted to pull the trigger on. Are we saying more than more than a hundred or? Yes. Yes. Uh, There may have been cheaper tickets. I didn't look that hard, but I was like, "Mm." 
it's just hard to it's hard for me to bite on that i obviously i'm not like the biggest live music i i like live music i'm not a person who's like going to shows every week or every other like i go to a couple concerts a year at most unless you know someone's in town who is like helping drive me to that um but i i felt similarly to you you know when i wrote down you know my own notes it's like yeah there's like two decades worth of music i'd have to catch up on where i fall that's crazy yeah i know what i'm gonna i know what i'm gonna be getting myself into so yeah i mean okay well we i should look at the set list and and see how many of these songs they actually play i would imagine that they only play they probably only play um dance dance and uh, yeah like it uh, like probably sugar we're going down like sometimes but yeah. I think it's interesting is like, I wonder if Dance Dance hits that, or I think that Dance Dance actually hits better, a little bit better now than, it, than Sugar We're Going Down. I like Sugar We're Going Down better because I've liked it for longer, but yeah. I think that like Dance Dance has a space in the music scene. Like it's a little bit, it's got a little bit of like the, I don't know. I feel like it has like a little bit of what pop has going on right now, but I'm out of touch. I used to know what it was, but then they changed what it was. <laughs> the Grandpa Sim- Simpson what, reference? Yeah, now what it is is scary to me, and one day it'll happen to you. <laughs> um, yeah. First Simpson. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's right. I'm a big dork, and I listen to emo, and I'm dating her award for uh was this was any of these songs on the oc soon to be renamed to the one tree hill award maybe whatever uh, relevant reference there is in one tree hill <laughs> oh, man. no uh, no none in this i don't know the, i didn't think any no none of the songs in this album are gonna like float over a montage so i don't know where they're going it's just too earnest it's too direct yeah. uh yeah, let's let's evaluate the one trio yeah. solution for next time. <laughs> Maybe it can be a co co award or something like that. Um, okay, this ain't a scene. Is this emo? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I think it is. Uh, I think that this is probably like the most co- like the most controversial this discussion has been so far for any of the albums we've had. Like it is pretty heavy on the pop punk spectrum yeah but it's also very like emotional um my favorite thing that i came across was wentz likes to call them softcore because they're they came from the hardcore scene in chicago but they couldn't they just couldn't hack it like none of them were actually like hard enough to be hardcore so they and i was like that is that is fucking good are their best friends jimmy world like (laughs) (laughs) dude what are you, the reviewer from Rolling Stone or whoever, just taking a shot? <laughs> Jesus, Howard. I can't help myself, man. Like, They're going to, people listening to this are going to think that you hate Jimmy Eat World. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> it's just, they have a soft underbelly that's like easy to hit. So it's just... Oh, man. Uh, it, I mean, yes, it's definitely emo. It is a branch of emo. And I think it is like, you know it is probably on the on the far side of that sort of like pop punky emo branch of the tree 
um it is you know like we've talked about like they are they've garnered you know sort of the most probably the most mainstream success of any band in that sphere i think uh, yeah not counting uh, i mean maybe this is a conversation for another time but not counting panic at the disco who are like mega stars now on the back of one emo album and then a bunch yeah, yeah. and then a bunch of other stuff so what do you think? What, what yeah, do you think? yeah. I, I it's it's interesting. I I know that it's like heavily pop punk. I, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It's like the 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 parts that annoy me are the parts that have been kind of like taken and commodified by like pure pop punk bands, like like uh, Bowling for Super, that kind of thing. But that being said, and at some point, maybe next episode, you and I are gonna really nail down like what 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 do we mean when we, when we say emo but if we're just talking about the emotional content of the lyrics and exposing your 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 heart and, and really being raw with with people like I, I would argue actually that this is more emo than like it's not more emo in sound or in terms of kind of like influence than the other albums that we've re reviewed but it is the one that like exposes its emotional core in the most uh kind of clear way so in that way i i consider it to be the most emo and also i will say again like it's the one that we have like four categories based off of so like in some ways it is pretty archetypal in terms of what i would consider to be emo yeah absolutely uh, this one okay next one i'm i think i know the answer to this but i'm, I'm curious a decade under the influence what song are you going to rock at karaoke? So, I mean, the, the the true fact answer is I Sugar We're Going Down is like one of the first songs I ever sang at karaoke. And when you say at karaoke, you mean like small group karaoke or like you're saying like the emo karaoke that we've been to in, in Brooklyn? Both. Oh, like wow. karaoke on a stage, like in front of a bunch of like random people, not like not even like emo karaoke. Yeah. Um. So that one for sure. Uh, and as a side note, I have like been folding dance dance into my my rotation to like sing at some time in the in the in the near future. So I'll let you know how that one goes. I'm I'm very curious how dance dance would hit because like I think it's a very fun and energetic song. I just don't know if the chorus hits in the same way where it's like anthemic and like. It, it pulls people in so I mean, yeah it, it all depends on how i can how good of a patrick stump impression i can do right like <laughs> he is a world-class vocalist and i'm a dude who likes to sing karaoke like yeah you just have so, to a sweater vest and like a, a big newsboy hat or whatever the fuck you rock so. oh my god <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I'll I'll throw a bunch of energy at it, and if my voice is warmed up enough and I hit the right notes, you know, I think I think it could have legs. Are you actually? I I should ask this at the outset. Are you actively going to karaoke nights, or like, what's what's your post COVID? What 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 is your regimen look like? Uh, I have been to a few, uh, much less than I used to. Like, mm. there was a time in my life where I was going like close to once a month, if not more. Uh, and yeah. between, I was like, between my brother's a big karaoke guy, I had a bunch of work friends, I like 
briefly started like karaoke club at my at my old job where people would go once a month. Um, so post COVID, I'm I am comfortable for now going to uh, going going to a karaoke thing. Uh, I just haven't haven't gotten it together. Yeah. Damn karaoke with coworkers. That's that's it's great. The way, man. Well, I, this was also when I worked in advertising and advertising production, and like part of that job is getting drunk with your coworkers. So got it. Got to be creative. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about you? Anything? Anything? What, what would you say about this? Anything else? Yeah, sugar. We're going down for sure. Uh, it's it is interesting though because right, you can't sing it. You can't sing the lyrics. You have to sing like Patrick. Something you have to sing like. You're running out of breath all the time. You're not enunciating shit. Uh, but in that way, it like probably makes it more fun as a karaoke song because everyone can join in. Everyone can kind of like half mumble or like follow along to, to the to the lyrics with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one stands out a little bit more. I, I just think like the chorus just soars in certain ways in certain parts that I, I think it would, I'm, I'm sure when you've done it, it's, it's brought down the house. Yeah. Um, so this is like probably the best pure karaoke, definitely the best pure karaoke song that we've had so far. And probably, oh no, 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 no. I was, I was going to say the, the best that we're going to see. That's not true. That's definitely not true. We, 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 we got Definitely not true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Last but not oh, last least. I'm just a notch in your bedpost, but you're just a line in a song. I mean, well, let's let's the, take the namesake. Yeah, the awards namesake is pretty good. I would argue that it it wins. I I think it pretty clearly wins uh, on this album. It's it's interesting because like in my head, Fall Out Boy were better burn artists and better at insults. I just don't really feel it or hear it in this album as much. Um, it again, like they felt really like on the nose and and like uh, it's it's interesting. Like the insults didn't feel as clever as as I think like perhaps what I had like conceived and heard on like previous albums or on like ensuing ones. For whatever reason, yeah, they just they didn't hits so yeah. not in a bad post just a, you're just a line song i think it's like clearly the one um the one that i did pull out here that is another possibility is it's so funny because you said that this was going to be on your your mixtape but uh, a little less 16 candles a little bit more touch me i don't blame you for being you but i you can't blame me for hating it that's like Again, like it's it's kind of like an LSAT problem. You have to think about like what he's saying, but like it's it's a pretty good burn, and and it's definitely like there's some there's some venom there. Yeah. So I I can appreciate that one. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Like what you were talking about, like I agree. Like I I think they definitely have plenty or not plenty, but they have many other songs where they are taking more aggressive shots, and obviously like or. Not, sort of obviously to me like that's what this album like that's not what this album is about right, right. this right, album right. isn't about unrequited love or being a rejected lover it's about like pete wentz trying not to kill himself like yeah. and that's not yeah. all it's about but that is the main through line for sure and so not so surprising take this to your grave and, and they talk about it too um in some of their interviews but 
um, Take This to Their Grave, their first album, is yeah. a lot more, they call it reactionary, which I really yeah, like. Yeah. I think that's a really great way that's very articulate of them to be talking about their own music in that way. Um, but it's like, you know, this thing happened to me and I wrote this song about it, right? Like it's- like, I'm like, real it's angry. More, <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot more of somebody broke up with me or I'm mad at them or they wronged me or whatever it is. Um, and so I think that that album has a, a, a lot more, um, sure. you know, that's like Grand Theft Autumn, like, where is your boy tonight? I hope he is a gentleman. Like that's like one of the classics, you know? And it's like, what a, what a, I think that's the album opener too, right? Oh, so good. But Grand not, Theft not for tonight. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto. Um, uh, I did have a, another one that I, I thought was an honorable mention for me. Um, it's off of I Slept With Someone in Fallout Boy and all I got was this stupid song, mm-hmm. but it was the Douse Yourself in Cheap Perfume. It's yeah, so yeah. fitting, so fitting of the way you are. You can't cover it up. Yeah. And it's like, God, like the two things I love about that are one, like that is like a man, like that's that is just like as a bird, like just make you feel bad about yourself. Like it's not burning you for being crappy, it's burning you for the way you try to make up for being crappy. Mm. And then the second piece yeah. that really hits to me, because I was a teenager in 2005, it's like that line smells like Axe body spray to me. <laughs> and I don't, I, that's that's totally about me. That's not about the song necessarily, but I'm like, yes, I know what that cheap perfume smells like. It smells like Axe or it smells like something from like fucking Claire's or whatever. I, I don't know <laughs> where, but it's like, I, I, I can smell the the smell of like a sweaty stinky venue with axe body spray oh. and cheap perfume in the air and i'm just like oh. oh it just that is you know sort of one of the ways in which it sort of brings me to that time so. brutal brutal it's it's funny the, those are good associations i again kind of same time period it reminds me of this 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 is wrong this is not the right interpretation it reminds me of the zoolander like gasoline fight for some reason (laughs) but uh that's maybe that's that's neither here nor there um yeah that was that was the other one that i had which is so interesting man because like i i I think essentially what that's saying is like you're so right and, and so astute in that like this is not like a an attack record right this is like a sensitive like i'm reflecting and, and like exposing my insecurities and, and fears. So it wouldn't make a lot of sense for them to have like a lot of digs. Um, but the first album has like quite a few, which is why I think I was like expecting more. Cause in my head, like, you know, Fall Out Boy is like insult artist kind of, um, but yeah, that's, you know, th- 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 that's why we have like a deeper appreciation for this album why it's like a little bit different. Yeah. All right. Nice. Some parting, uh, some parting thoughts about the album, anything to sort of tie it all up? Um, you know, I think what I'd say is more than previous episodes, I feel like we bagged on the band. Uh, we probably bagged on the music. Um, but it ties back to the earlier point that I made, which is like, in spite of all of that heaviness and the weird overhead of like certain parts of this album that like, I really didn't like at the end of the day, like, I think it is a brilliant album. And, and like, at the end of the day, there are two just champions of this album, which are like 
Patrick Stump's ability as a vocalist and like a syncopator and Pete Wentz's uh, just rawness and, and realness, which I, I think if you had asked me at the outset of uh, looking at this, I'd be like, no, Pete Wentz is like a vapid pretty boy. So to, to, to and I'm sure it's interesting because I'm sure that's how he got some of the ladies was like, it's kind of like the Pete Davidson theory of, of just being like a, a bleeding heart, someone that like clearly is going through stuff in some ways is, is like attractive to people. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, like this is a great album. This has to be like their best album. And it, yeah, it just highlights like how good they put the team on their back in terms of like elevating the performance of this album above some of the kind of like, in my mind, very obvious misses. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah. curious kind of like what, what your wrap up is. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, I think to me in the end, this album is sort of a, an album of dualities. You know, we, we talked about these sort of like contrasting things that when laid over top of each other produce something really great. And so like, I find myself when thinking about this, you know, a bunch of our awards or a bunch of the topics that we talked about, it's like holding two different truths in, in your hand. And it's like, those those two different truths are you know sometimes in conflict or sometimes feed into each other but in the end it produces what you said like a really remarkable album that would never be famous today but is still a hit like a smash hit from its time and in its own way uh, doesn't doesn't hold up it doesn't hold up the way clarity holds up as like this is a this is a creative and, and artistic exploit, but it does hold up in that it is so, it is such a, a nugget of truth. And that truth in this case is so, I think pretty pretty rooted to that time and that and those, you know, those two artists and the way that they collaborate. Um, but, you know, you know, you opened by saying like, you didn't feel like it was art in at least in the same way as yeah. these other albums. And 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 in some ways I agree it's not it's not art in the same way, but I do think that it, it we we have we do agree that it is art in that it is uh, it is a really at certain moments in particular a piece of pure truth. Um, yeah, and and actually as you're saying that you you are making me soften my stance a bit because as as we've kind of talked about it, I think this album is like more than the sum of its parts. Yes, and like yes. it's kind of transcended, uh, right? Any combination of lyrics or uh, kind of vocals and 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 what have you, and and, and it it is like beyond that. So yeah, it's better way, than it has. It's better than it has any business being. Yes, yes, and honestly, it's kind of better than it sounds, which is yeah. like a funny thing to say, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I I feel that I feel that I think that's a good way to to put it. So coming up. Next up, uh, yeah, little reveal. Wait, <laughs> we're saying what album, right? Yeah. Okay, P Pinkerton by Weezer, next up. Which, uh, man, we're going to plumb the depths of some emotion. <laughs> I am really excited uh, because I don't, this is a blind spot for me. Whoa. I, I know some hits off Pinkerton, of course, but... Really? This is a blind spot for me. So this will be very exciting new territory. Holy shit. Be prepared to be really depressed. <laughs> like, this is going to be, I know that we're hitting Memorial Day and it's the start of summer, 
but you're going to be in the darkest month of your year. Incredible. I can't wait. That's going to hurt. Dude, that's my jam. You're going to be in a pain cave. Uh, And also, special announcement with this one, we're going to start doing a little rotating cast of guest hosts. Uh, And I don't know how much we want to give away. We'll kind of like, we'll do some breadcrumbs so that people can kind of figure out who the guest host is. I'll just say that this is one of the biggest party boys that I know. Uh, so we'll lead with that. Abel, I don't know if you have any other kind of commentary or no, man. That's uh, just uh, Easter eggs that we want, but not yet. Well, more to more to come. Uh, I think he is uh, he is the, the perfect perfect person for for this album, and uh, is a is a, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to to hear his insight. Yeah, I'm very I'm very curious. It sounds like he he like is really this album is very deeply rooted within him. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to have like a third perspective. So looking forward to it. Anything awesome, else? Man. Parting shots? No, no, no parting uh, Jimmy world shots from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right, man. Until I'm just next time. from every subreddit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. Yeah. That's it. Bye.